This is the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Matt Peralt and Mike Herzing. Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk Wheels here on the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network. Mike Herzing and Matt Peralt for a full hour. We've got everything to do with the wonderful world of automotives. Mike, how are you? Welcome back for another week. It's been great. Uh, it's a good weekend. There's a Big car guy weekend, you know, the concourse, the big, the big Mac daddy, Pebble Beach concourse, the elegance is there. We have some of our folks there. Jeremy from Beerenbaum from classic.com is there and uh, got a lot of stuff for the podcast that are on there. So it'll be fun. So what and, is that? Uh, if, if someone's just tuning in, having no idea what you're talking about, what is this car show? At that Beach? is that is a classic car show, unlike every other classic car show that's put up on Pebble Beach, which is probably one of the prettiest golf courses sure. in the world. Uh, and they take all these classic cars, and we're talking some of these cars might be $10 million, you know, something like wow. that. And on Sunday, it's a very hoity-toity, very – you wear a coat and tie – uh, slacks and you you sit there and it's a celebrity deal you that they have they might have a Delahaye they might have a you know a, a something from the 1890s they might have they have classic race cars matter of fact on Saturday they have the Monterey historic car races and they have all these classic ca- cars we're talking cars race cars from the 1920s 1930s 50s 70s you know all the stuff that are racing at, at Laguna Seca. And so it's just an amazing weekend. If you love the automobile, you'll see Jay Leno there. You'll see all, you know, every, every car guy and gal uh, celebrity is going to be there. I'm sure your buddy, the Kardashians will be there. I mean, I know yeah. <laughs> what a big fan you are, but, but it's just one of those amazing weekend and it's going to be on television. There'll be a lot of coverage and some beautiful automobiles. I mean, we're talking the really pretty town cars and stuff from the, from the, you know, the Duesenbergs and all that stuff, all the way up to the Corvettes, all the huh? way up to the, they're going to have the, the Ford GT that Ken Miles drove. Oh, wow. Uh, like, you know, and that's going to be because Ford's launching a new GT. I've had an interview with one of the folks from Ford for the podcast. And uh, there's just some interesting stuff, and it's just be a beautiful weekend. I mean, Very last cool. time I was there, I got, I got to sit down and talk to Stedman. Ooh, all right. <laughs> so uh, more on that coming up later on in the program. Stick around for that time for our news and notes segment, everything happening in the wonderful world of cars next year on Let's Talk Wheels on the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network. Listening to the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network from the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios. Here's Matt Peralt and Mike Herzing. News and notes segment for us here on Let's Talk Wheels. He's Mike Herzing. I'm Matt Peralt. Mike, before we get into some of these stories, mm-hmm. and I'll do, I'm going to do a review on this vehicle coming up next week. But you've talked a lot about hybrids. Right. And, and, and I'm wondering, so the car that I am driving this week and I'll review for the vehicle for the, for the show next week, I'm driving the Lexus LC 500 hybrid 500 H. I am, so, I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah. So this thing has a sticker price of 97 six to start. Okay. To start. Uh-huh. Oh, and okay. we have it loaded. Okay. So, so th- th- this thing goes all the way up. I mean, if you want. The fully loaded, you can get this thing tricked out if you want the convertible, the Inspiration Series. It's $120,000 for this vehicle. So I had it at about 110000 So it's you know extremely high-end, very, very nice vehicle. But mm-hmm. what's really interesting about this hybrid, 
and I'm wondering if we're going to see more of this. Did you think hybrids become the luxury line, meaning like the fully electric vehicles might be more on the on the lower end consumer, but the hybrids, like every luxury vehicle coming out is going to wind up being a hybrid? Oh, right now, every brand, Alfa Romeo, Volvo, Mercedes, everybody is going to have, everything is going to be electrified in some way. They'll all be hybrids, okay? And then the higher end, like right now Tesla and things like that, then they'll be the more expensive ones will probably be all electric. But that's really a year or two away, a couple of years away right now. And that's, you know, one of the things you and I were talking about over the air off the air is just the fact that we're about two years away from from a really good long-lasting million-mile battery, which we don't have now. Batteries now last 10 years, you know, California, they're supposed to last 15 years or 150,000 miles. But if you're not in California, it's eight years or 100,000 miles. And so, and, uh, you know, usually when a vehicle gets 10, 12, 12 years old, the battery will start failing. And and then you're talking to some of these batteries are six thousand dollars just for the part, huh. you know, and, and I know the prices will drop and I know right. this stuff. But, but we're only a year, two years away from maybe a million mile battery that basically be the life of the vehicle. And, uh, you know, I think that's good. But still, don't forget the, the when somebody says my battery's going bad. That's like your cell phone. Right. Okay? Is your battery bad in your cell phone? No, it's fine, but it only lasts half a day now, and it used to last a day and a half. You know what I mean? So, yeah, as your battery, you can't depend on it. You know, all of a sudden, it only lasts for three or four hours. You know, I have to charge it twice a day. When when you first got the phone, though, when it was fresh, you could go a day and a half without charging it. So that's the same thing with these cars. These batteries will just get weaker and weaker, and that's kind of the Achilles heel. But you're right. I think that Lexus is is a perfect example of a, of a basically a supercar. Yeah, I mean it's, a, it's awesome, uh, and it's I a, think it's a, yeah, it was a ton of fun to drive. I'll do the full review coming up on this show next week. It was an awesome orange color, really stark. It was crazy because I was, I was doing my my radio show for the network at a casino in Vegas, and they had put it with with valet, and so <laughs> mm-hmm. they told me they were bringing me a Lexus. I did not know what they were bringing me and the valet brought the car up and parked it in front of me. And I looked at him and I said, what the hell is that? <laughs> he goes, that's your car. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean that that's my car? He's like, that's your car. I was like, ah, uh, okay. I thought I was getting a Lexus SUV. He's like, nope, this is the car they dropped off for you. I'm like, okay. And it is a unbelievable ride, but it's got crazy gas mileage. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it absolutely burns and what's weird about it about about this is that like you know normally with most hybrids like the first 10 to 15 miles it's on electric only right not this car <laughs> oh really I, I mean no i mean it it's electrified and you get great gas miles but you don't have an unlimited part where the engine's totally off like the engine's right. always on it's always running it's just how well, much gas is it using it's really interesting it's not about the gas as much. It's about emissions. Okay. okay that's part right. of it. Okay. There people that buy Lexus don't care about fuel economy. Right. Really exactly. Don't. But there's really good. It's got great fuel economy for the hybrid right. though. I mean, and, good. uh, but I tell you about acceleration with a hybrid. Oh my gosh. It's smooth. Oh yeah. And, and if it has a start stop, you won't even notice the engine stopping. It's just. It just smooths everything out, and it's great. And it may have a mode that you can go into and say, "I want electric only." It yeah, may it probably is. That. Yeah, that's probably the way is. what Jeep was. Jeep you yeah. could do. And most of the time, it was just half gas, half and half. But it had an electric only mode, but you had to kind of. 
turn it on. So yeah, it's yeah, 350 horsepower of fun is what that is. So, all right. Well, yep. speaking of electric, let's talk about what KC is doing. Kansas city is following a story that we talked about overseas for a while about what to do to get chargers all over the city. Let's talk about what KC is sure. doing, Mike. Well, you know, they street lights, there's street lights all over the downtown and all these certain areas. Same thing with Vegas in street lights, but they're always the old sodium lights and they drew a fair amount of power. So there's a lot of good heavy duty wiring going up there, you know, 220 volts or maybe even a 400 volt, something like that. Plenty of power there. And so they've all gone to LED, which saves, saves us a lot of money. Okay. And maybe it saves your tax dollars. But what they're also doing is they're turning those into chargers, which is what they've done in Europe. They've done in Ireland. I think they started that a couple of years ago. And what a great idea. You know, you got to park on the street. Of course, you might have to pay your parking meter and you also have to pay 22 cents a kilowatt hour <laughs> to charge. Well, OK. I mean, like I said, at home here, I think I pay seven cents a kilowatt hour. And uh, but but charging there is going to be uh, great. I think the more and more we put that stuff in, I think that's a great idea because a lot of folks, like I said, don't have a house to go and pull up to their garage and plug it in. So what do you think? What do you think them in in 20 years? Do gas stations look like they do now? Oh, I think they'll probably, you'll probably see a spot over there where, you know, half of it's going to be pet gasoline and half of it's going to be chargers. But you're also going to see when you go into Walmart, when you go into target, you know, which, which is happening right now, there'll be charging stations. Any place you want to go in, think about it. You want to go to the movies. I'm going to go to the movies. Take the wife off for date night, or I'm going to go to the mall or whatever. Right. There's right. going to be charging spots. But don't forget, it's it's usually about 30 cents a kilowatt hour. Okay, so it's not cheap. To, you know, it's going to cost you six or eight bucks or ten bucks, but still better than gasoline, but not as good as if you're doing it at home. Uh, and I know all the solar panels and stuff will all come back, and and that'll be better, and we'll end up more with this kind of stuff. But it's going to take a little while, man. There's just the wires don't come, you know, the power and and the charging stations. I mean, the government must put in five hundred thousand of them. Okay, that's a good start. It really is. <laughs> it's a start. We probably need we probably need ten times that, right? You know, but. But then again, I talked to somebody the other day about about hybrids and, and EVs and stuff like that. And most people go 30, 40, 50 miles, 30, 40 miles a day or less. And if you've got 110 volt, just plug it in the wall charger. Once you get your vehicle charged and you're only going 20, 25, 30 miles a day, you can just plug it in overnight and it'll be it'll be fine. You don't need a 220 volt charger. Of course, you get 220 volts, it'll charge twice as fast. You don't need the 400 volt. Now, once you start to travel, or I want to go, I want to drive across town, I want to do this or that, or you want to go out yeah. in the mountains for something, well, you're kind of in trouble. When do you think houses start to get built with those extra fast chargers? Now, I mean, well, I, I bet you you're going to find it soon. I mean, I, I mean, it's so easy to put a 220 volt charger. Okay. That's yeah. not, that's the level one. I mean, that's, that's not, or they, maybe they call it level two. Uh, but when you get into the level four, this, you know, the 400 and 600 volts and things like that, then that's a different, the fast DC chargers. Those are going to be uh, more expensive, but you can go and spend, you know, a grand and get a 220 volt plug and, and have the charger system there. It's just basically putting a plug. I mean, I, right. I plugged them into my dryer plug in the garage, oh, wow. yeah. you know, it's just 220 volts, you know, in my barn at the lake, I have a, I have a, a bunch of that stuff for welders. I can, I plugged in electric and hybrids in there and it charged quick, huh. but you know, uh, the longer the, it's just, it's just one of those things. But like, for example, I can't get 
electric cars from Dallas when they bring my press cars right. down. I right. can't get them from Dallas because once they get them here, they're dead. And right. it's going to charge them all day. And okay. <laughs> and then by the time they bring it to me across town, it's half dead. So that's part of the problem. So once we fix the infrastructure, it's going to take a while. And then at the same time, they're going to do hydrogen, which I think is really going to be great too. Once they fix all that, it's going to be great. But I think we're about two years away from really seeing a big change. Hmm. All right. Last headline, Mike. Uh, Texas, your neck of the woods is getting another EV maker, Rivian, uh, a cool truck that we saw a couple of years ago at the right. L.A. Auto Show. Uh, well, they got some real big backers, don't they? And they're coming into Texas now. Well, they look like they are. They're making the deals. You know, they wouldn't have put it in all the papers and, and all the, the news networks if it wasn't pretty close. Fort Worth is who looks like they're going to do something there. That's going to be west of Dallas. And, uh, and, uh, they're going to, they're, they're getting like $400 million worth of tax breaks and they're not going to pay taxes for years and years, but bring in 7,500 jobs and they're going to build a lot of stuff. It's backed by Ford and some company called Amazon. <laughs> yeah, that little and one. So, yeah, and Amazon's going to have, Rivian's going to build all of their vans for them. And all of every, all their vans going to be electric, which I think is great. That's a perfect use of electric vehicle and it gives them lots of room. And the vans are, are really goofy looking, but you know what? They'll be perfect. And Ford's backing it. And so when they build the plant in Fort Worth, they're going to build a battery plant at the same time. So it's a, it's a multi-billion dollar expenditure. And I think it's, this is what we're going to see more of. Amazon being involved, what does that tell you about their plans for trucks? I mean, we know they've already purchased a fleet of vehicles that they want to have zero emissions by 2030. But what does it do? What What is the truck angle for Amazon? Well, it's not really truck. It's vans. But the trucks are going to come out, too. Well, the truck is, you know, this is there's going to be two sides to, to Rivian, like all of these guys. One side's commercial. And one size retail, basically. Yeah, okay. And so the retail will be the SUVs and the truck will come out first and the SUVs. And I'm sure the, they probably won't even bother with cars. But the other side of that, Amazon's already got 100,000 trucks of vans ordered. Yeah. 100,000. So they've got it. You know, they, they haven't even finished their first plant yet. Here they are working on a second plant. Must be nice to have that much business. <laughs> and know that you've got that much money coming in. There you go. No, you've got some pretty heavy, got some deep, deep pockets there. And I think Absolutely. it'd be Ford. Ford's jumping on the bandwagon because there's a lot of technology there. And I think that's great. All right. Coming up for our interview, we're going to talk to a rep from Hyundai. But next, it's time for our new, or sorry, from for automotive reviews. Mike and I both will tell you about the vehicles we've been driving around this week. Next here on Let's Talk Wheels on the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network. You're listening to the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Matt Peralt and Mike Herzing. Time now for automotive reviews, and I had a Toyota 2021 Avalon TRD. And guess what I did with this thing? I went on a road trip. This is the best way to get to know a vehicle, whether you like it or not. You can't always do it, okay? You can't always go to a dealership and say, hey, I want to take this thing and I want to go, you know, four hours away. But that's what I did. I had the chance to drive from Las Vegas to Temecula, California, and then from Temecula, California to San Diego, where my wife and my daughter and I went for away for a five-day trip. And coming away with this vehicle, I often say, if I don't have to complain about the vehicle, if there's not something that I'm like, man, I don't like this thing for X, Y, and Z, that means I really like the vehicle. And even though it's an Avalon, which I don't necessarily would buy, and 
a TRD Avalon's kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> this thing was awesome. I really liked this thing. I liked it a lot. It was fun to drive. It was really sharp. The lines of this vehicle are really, really nice. I had it in a really cool white with a really nice grill. I was really impressed. The gr- you know, black wheels, black hubcaps, which were really nice to take a look at. I-, I thought it was fun to see the TRD trimmings all over the vehicle. You have their red calipers on your brakes, which are cool. The grill is really muscular looking. Headlights are really nice. It, it just looks nice. You walk up to it, you're like, okay, it, it looks like a sports sedan, which I'm really, really big on. So once you started there with a sports sedan, I'm like, Okay, let's talk. And I'm willing to take a look at it. Big, huge trunk, which was awesome for us when we were on vacation to have a trunk size that fit all of our suitcases. No sweat. We had to put everything into the, the you know, the, the, the backseat of the vehicle. We had to go, you know, clear as day. The cockpit was really nice. I'm not in love with the telematics for Toyota, but they've definitely made some improvements with the TRD, which I think is really nice to have. I think you've got some. You know, touchscreen features, which are really cool, and your Bluetooth connectivity, which is really nice. Your wireless Apple CarPlay, which was really awesome to have. And especially when you're driving far distances, you want to make sure that you're able to keep yourself connected and keep yourself locked in. Uh, You know, I would have rather a little bit more on the cup holder standpoint, just as you're driving long distances, you get a chance to kind of feel that out. You're like, hmm, okay, do you have more in there? Do you you have more something that's, you know, that you can have? Uh, But overall... I mean, this thing was really surprising, fun to drive, really nice engine. It's expensive, though. I mean, you're talking forty one, forty two thousand dollars. It's not cheap here for an Avalon. <laughs> but I, again, armrests were really comfortable. You know, a, a cup holders that were there for the phones, which are really nice. You got a three point five liter V six engine, three hundred one horsepower, two hundred sixty seven pounds of feet uh, feet of torque. Really, kind of gets up and goes. And on the highway, look at you need that all wheel drive. You know, you you need that. You got to get up there and push this thing, and you got to be able to drive around. Sometimes, you know, you're on the highway and you got crazy people around you. You want to make sure you can go ahead and, and get away from them if you need to do that. Uh, I mean, I think on the safety front, this is really nice. You got your forward collision warning, you get automatic braking, your pedestrian detection, your lane departure warning, lane keep assist, automatic high beam and full speed adaptive cruise control, which I used on this long drive, which was really nice. A lot of highway driving, but a lot of city driving as well that I was going on there. And, you know, look at it's expensive. I'm not going to deny this. At $44,000, this is expensive, but it is a sporty sedan. It's really fun to drive. And I think if you're looking for a sports sedan, I think you got to at least check this thing out. It performs beautifully. The engine is nice. Great bells and whistles. Telematics, which is an upgrade, getting better with Toyota. But overall, look, we went on a road trip here, a far road, a far drive with this thing, and we came away with going, all right, that could do it. Yeah, we could we could see ourselves in that vehicle. And I, I the only thing that kind of may give you some shock is the sticker on it. And, you know, it's decent on the highway. I was getting about 28 miles per gallon on the highway and I drive pretty fast. So that's not bad at all. And look, it's a very safe vehicle. It's a quiet vehicle. It pushes. It performs. It gets up and goes when you ask it to do something. It absolutely does. And it looks really good as well. Check it out. The 2021 Toyota Avalon TRD. It's a fun vehicle. All right, Mike, what were you driving this week? Folks, this week I was driving the 2021 Lexus RC350 F Sport. 
Okay, last the other day I had the the RX three fifty the the uh, the crossover. Very nice. I really liked it. This one is the RC. This is a sexy little two door luxury sport coupe. Okay, um, they have. I remember the entry level the RC three hundred, and then the RCF, which is the bad boy. Okay, that's the super fast one hundred and seventy mile an hour crazy thing. This one is kind of in the middle. And it, I think they sell more of these than any of the other RCs. Now, this is also a shrinking market. Most, you know, people right now are either going to want tons of horsepower and and tons of luxury. Uh, and this one has a, a, a naturally aspirated 3.5 V6, 311 horsepower, eight speed. While it does run good, it's not a rocket ship. And it's not built to be that way. Okay. Um. It's a nice vehicle. It's fun to drive. It's smooth. It's comfortable. It's quiet. It's everything you want in a Lexus. It really is. You can get it in, in rear-wheel drive. You can get it in all-wheel drive. So it's, it's something that's great in different type of um, uh, climates and things like that. It hasn't been changed a whole lot. They did, they did a, an update, a refresh in 2018. So it's really not due for one yet. It's, it, there's a few things they ought, I wish they would change on it, but it's still, they're going to sell all of them they want to build and people are going to love them. The infotainment's a little bit old school. It's got a little, this little touch pad that's in the center console and that's hard to use. You know, a lot of times vehicles have gone to bigger screens and, and, and maybe touch screens. This one doesn't have any of that. This is pretty old school. Uh, and the other thing that people tell me about them, I talked to a couple of owners that had them, that they love the vehicles. They wish the trunk was bigger and they wish the back seat was more usable. If they could add a couple of inches in the back seat. It would be neat, but they had to build a bigger car. Lexus doesn't want to do that. This is their market. I mean, you can pick these things up really nicely equipped with all the goodies like the Mark Levinson sound system, which is worth, I forgot the money they asked on, but it's worth it. Okay. Um, it sounds so good with the acoustic glass and all the special insulation. It really makes driving this thing as any other Lexus a joy. It really does. Uh, this thing's a run in the mid fifties. Okay. You can pick it up. Yeah. The base models in the, in the, in the, in the upper forties, but yeah, this one to get it equipped the way you want it, it's going to be in the upper, you know, in the mid to upper fifties. Okay. Um, they've got some really beautiful colors. Mine was a gray, but I really like, they make a red, they're called infrared and really is pretty. This one's a black, this one's a kind of a dark gray with uh, a black interior, very comfortable seats kind of wrap around you. And I'm a kind of a big guy, but it still wasn't bad. You know, it was very comfortable and, uh, you know, heated and cooled seats. It had the really nice on, you know, like I said, uh, everything was nice fit and finish on. It was everything you'd expect from a Lexus. Perfect. Okay. And, you know, the Lexus experience is the dealers take care of you. They pick cars up, they drop them off. They do all the things that years ago, that's what brought Lexus, Lexus into the market. They did things that the European manufacturers, I mean, the European dealers didn't want to do. Lexus would do everything. Customer comes first and it still works for them. Okay. Like I said, on the highway, this thing is great. If you're buying this for fuel economy, you're not buying the right car. Okay. Cause this is V6 is a little thirsty. You know, I think I ended up with about the average at about 19 miles a gallon, uh, which is okay. You know, the cool thing is it's got a couple of modes. It's got, it's got eco mode. You could drive modes. You've got sport mode. It's got sport plus, which changes the shifting and changes some of the things around on it. That makes it nice. And I think this, this vehicle had a, had a moonroof and the intuitive parking assist. So all those important th- things and, uh, it was just like I said, it was loaded out 
And, you know, it's really was a nice car. It's fun to drive. This is a great weekend car or commuter car for somebody that wants something nice and sporty to zip around. And on weekends, you want to take it someplace, you know, go to the beach or do this or that. This is a wonderful date night car. It's just wonderful like that. If you want to carry the kids and a bunch of other gear and things like that, you might want to get the RX 350. Okay. Uh, or even their X350L, the bigger one. Lexus has got a ton of vehicles for you, but check it out. If you're looking for maybe, a, maybe you're looking at an Infiniti Q60 or something like that, or maybe even you're going to spend a little bit more money, a little bit more higher performance with the Audi A5. This is going to be just as nice. And I think you, once you drive it, it's one of those vehicles that you get in it and it's like everything's comfortable. Listening to the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network from the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios. Here's Matt Peralt and Mike Herzing. Hey, folks! Welcome out. Let's Talk Wheels. Mike Herzing, Matt Peralt. Uh, folks, I'm here, still here, up in Northern California, outside of Palo Alto. We're in Santa Cruz, California. We're guess what? We're launching the new. Hyundai Santa Cruz. This is the folks we've been talking about this. We've interviewed Trevor Lai before. He's head of product planning now. Congratulations, Trevor. But Trevor, welcome back to Let's Talk Wheels, man. Thanks so much. I wish I were the head of product planning. (laughs) Well, okay. There you are. Senior manager. Sorry about that. And so... um, Guys, this yes, their baby's finally out. Last time we talked, it was just it was there. We saw pictures of it. We could sit in it, but we couldn't do anything else. This thing is awesome. Been driving it. It's fun to drive. Plenty of power. Fuel economy is really good. But the main thing, this whole vehicle's fun. People look over and they give me the thumbs up, and you do this kind of stuff. You've been driving these around for a while. What are the reactions? It's one of those things, you know. For us, um, uh, people will just turn and stop. Like, what? What, what is that? I like it. You pull up. You pull up at a stoplight. People run in the window. Like, what? What is that? It's a Hyundai. Wow. When can I get one? Soon. Soon. And finally, now it's on sale, and we're so happy that it's out. It's a good size. Now Ford's come back with the with the Maverick and kind of opened up that little segment for you. But this is different. This is not a truck. This is not an SUV. This is a sport activity vehicle. This is a new segment. You guys are inventing one. Congratulations. Absolutely. For us, it's it's one of those things where we saw a white market space. It is a lifestyle vehicle. We see a lot of folks who are very outdoorsy or even intend to be outdoorsy, even if they're not. And uh, because of the style, we needed to nail a lot of those elements and make it right. You know, earlier, you and I talked about uh, other competitive products in the, in the automotive history, right? Right. And we, we took a lot of lessons from them. We saw what worked. We saw what didn't work. And we wanted to make sure we can learn from those other uh, older competitors to make the best experience possible for our customer. You know, it's it's a great vehicle to drive. I said the the uh, now what's this? What's the platform on this? So basically, if people think, okay, what am I'm trying to imagine? What this is? Tell the folks what what it is. Yeah. So last time we talked about this uh, in Tucson, in Arizona, right. uh, it is a shared platform with Tucson. However, what we've done here with the Santa Cruz, obviously with a very unique uh, bed element here in the platform. We've significantly reinforced the suspension, so it's much more sized, uh, like a Santa Fe, for example, our one-step-up mm-hmm. uh, competitor. We have a self-leveling rear suspension that is completely standard. We know people are going to throw things in the bed, for example, right? Uh, so we want to have that vehicle level no matter what you put in it. Yeah, bicycles, motorcycles, you need to go get five bags of mulch. You can do this kind of stuff without the mulch making your vehicle stink. You know, this kind of stuff, it's just so handy 
But the main thing is it's fun to drive and it's something maybe you'll be seeing some old parts. You know, this would be an awesome vehicle behind a motorhome. Yeah, that'd be great. I, I think a lot of folks would like that like that flexibility. Next, it's fun to drive in, and it's, you can get it in all-wheel drive. You can you can do uh, you got a couple different engines. So let's, let's go back. Let's back up a little bit. Talk about the powertrain and and, and what's options are. Not a problem. Our standard engine is going to be our two and a half liter normally aspirated engine. It comes out about 191 horsepower. Or so more than enough for this vehicle. It drives awesome. More than enough. But wait, we have more. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Our optional engine, and what we're driving out here today, is our two and a half liter uh, H-Track all-wheel drive uh, powertrain combination. So that's coming out at over 280 horsepower, over 310 pound-feet of torque. So even though we're targeting those folks who may be interested in just the lifestyle piece, right, the styling mm -hmm. and the whole cachet about the vehicle, if you wanted to have some of the heavier-duty things, you can do that, you know, with that available power. Yeah, okay. So if I wanted to throw a small trailer, what is that? I think 1,500 pounds, something like that, different, different. Now, you have different trailer ratings for different powertrains, right? Yes, I'll, I'll boil it down really easily. You would think, looking, looking at a vehicle like this, you might think it's 1,500 pounds. Right. Standard 3,500-pound okay. towing capacity. Okay. And then if you get the turbocharged engine with the all-wheel drive system, that'll get you up to 5,000 pounds. Five, okay, yeah, that's way more than I thought. Now, how about in the bed? In the bed, if it's just you and me, for example, in the vehicle, right. we went to Home Depot and we got the mulch or we got, you know, a bunch of landscaping rocks, for example, you can put up to about a thousand pounds or so. Okay, that's where I've got that number. Or, you know, if you get the mother-in-law, you can put her in the backseat. <laughs> no, I mean, okay, but speaking of backseat, it's got plenty of room in the backseat, uh, but it's still got a bed and then you've got a little hidden compartment in the bed. We do. And it's, it's uh, in our research that we found that, you know, folks who might be interest, interested in a, in a conventional pickup type of vehicle, it's great when you want to do those Ikea runs, when you want to do those Home Depot runs. But what about normally when you don't have, uh, uh, you want to secure your, your cargo, your load, whatever it is that you buy? Nobody can see what you got. Exactly. You want to be able to hide that. And to an extent, you can do that a little bit with a cargo cover and an SUV, but you don't have that flexibility that an open bed product allows. So what we've done here we have applied a uh, not only the, the factory installed tunnel cover, which I'll touch on more in a little bit, but we do have that in-bed compartment that's completely lockable and weather-resistant uh, as well. And so having that flexibility, you can store a lot of things underneath there. On top of it, in the, on, the, on the bed, of course, you can store a lot of things on the bed. You can make the bed a two-level bed by putting a couple of two-by-sixes down mm -hmm. and a piece of plywood. You can, you can bisect that bed as well. So a lot of flexibility in the bed. We spent a lot of time in that area. Maybe some beverages or something like that in the back. I mean, you go to the baseball game with the Little League or something like that. You can put some of the gear back there, and it's not open to anything. Right. What you can do, you can actually dump a whole bunch of ice in there, a uh, bunch of drinks. You can go tailgate. Not Adult open. beverages, perhaps. I didn't say that, but yeah, yeah, whatever you put in there, you want to get chilled. And when you're done with it, but what you can do is you can just pull out the drain plug and everything just drains through. There you go. I mean, this is going to be a fun vehicle for folks. I could see everybody's having, because I see you've got, you've got demos here. One of them's got surfboards in it. One's got bicycles in it. You know, I could say it could pull a trailer with a couple of dirt bikes, maybe a, a four-wheeler, something like that. I just, it just, it opens up so much for you. Absolutely. You know, we've even tried uh, towing a medium-sized uh, dual-axle uh, travel trailer. Mm -hmm. And because of that 5,000-pound capacity, as long as you don't exceed that, of course. Yeah. Well, a lot of these small, you know, for two or three people, things are, you know, 
15, 18 feet, 20 feet, even the, the, the new aluminum frames, they don't weigh that much, and you can do so many cool things with it. But the engine has plenty of power. Uh, what do we have transmission-wise? Transmission-wise, we've got a couple of different pairings, right? So earlier I mentioned the standard engine, two and a half liter, normally aspirated. That is paired to our Hyundai eight-speed automatic transmission. Great transmission. And then when we step up to the two and a half liter turbo, that's uh, that's paired with their eight-speed wet DCT transmission. Oh well, there you go. So they got the dual clutch transmission. Uh, so that it hits hard, it grabs good um, fuel economy. Um, we were I was getting really good fuel economy today. Absolutely. One of the things that we, another one of the many things. Even with me driving. <laughs> now, Dave Stahl was driving. Okay. He drives like a grandma. He gets great fuel economy, but I did really good too. And that was the other thing in the research that we found. It's like, okay, well, the conventional pickups, you can have utility in that, but you have a lot of compromises. If you're coming from a place where you might have had a CUV in the past, right? We're looking at a lot right. of owners. The CUVs have been in the market now in, in large numbers for, you know, 20 odd years, right? Um, you have a lot of CUV. Um, like expectations uh, out of the vehicle. Better ride, better fuel economy, quieter, all the stuff that trucks aren't. Yes, absolutely. And and, and fuel economy is, is one of them. So we set out to have uh, very fuel efficient uh, powertrains. We're known for that, of course, here at Hyundai. And having that two and a half liter turbo doesn't really impact your fuel economy uh, much, if at all. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I could see this. We were talking uh, to Melvin Batista last week, and we talked about Hyundai will have a lot of product where they're going to have, you know, a standard internal combustion engine. They'll have a, the same version with a plug-in hybrid, the same version with, you know, a hydrogen fuel cell or even an EV. I mean, do you see that happening with this Model 2 at some point? Just like we talked about at, at, at Tucson, right? The same Since we share the same platform with oh, Tucson. Yeah. What you can do with that platform, we, we created intentionally uh, availability and capability for um, a modular powertrain. What I mean by modular is... And flexibility. Can, absolutely. You can do a gas engine. You can do a plug-in hybrid and a hybrid that you, you might have driven you know, in, in Arizona with us. But you can also do a battery electric uh, application in that platform. You can do a fuel cell application in that, in that platform. So having the flexibility, depending on customers, one, you know, platforms last quite a long time you know, right. in, in an automotive world and so if you're going to do something you got to do something right and have it adaptable as possible to whatever needs or demands or, or government requirements you may have you know for what it costs to build a platform you know in, in the billions of dollars uh it better last a long time but you guys have done so well with this and yeah, i'm so happy people don't realize how big a company hyundai is we, we talked about this so much melvin and i talked about it last week you guys sell class 8 trucks the bigger 18 wheelers you sell the trailers for them you guys have forklifts you have you know off-road uh construction vehicles you know heavy equipment you have ships banking oil companies as well. banking and oil companies well there you go i mean but but i mean you guys have so much and to put so much into this this is really cool it's a really all-inclusive product again we come back to you know where what's the intersection of styling what's the intersection of of comfort you don't you might not want to have a, a truck-like ride you're used to a cuv ride which is in, in essence uh, a furthering of, of an evolution of where you know passenger sedans used to be, right? So yeah. having that experience in Santa Cruz, very important to, to have for consumers. And I think um, when they drive the vehicle, I think they're going to be blown away. You know, think about it. People think, well, this is like a small El Camino. Well, if El Camino had been four doors and gotten fuel economy, it'd probably still be around, you know? <laughs> and the thing about the El Camino at the time, it worked, right? It's a yeah. passenger car. Passenger cars were big in the 60s. El Camino, I think, came out, what, 58 or 59, right? Then, 
automotive market has moved along yeah. quite a bit, right? If you're looking at new vehicles purchased in the United States today, you know, well over three quarters of that are either light trucks, which are, you know, conventional pickup trucks, body and frame vehicles, or crossover vehicles. So we knew we had to have a vehicle that was like a CUV in order to have uh, sales success. Folks, we're talking to Trevor Lai, who's senior product planner for, for Hyundai. I mean, you get to work on this stuff for years before it comes out. How cool is it to see your baby out here until you get the next baby? <laughs> you know, this one actually took a little bit longer than most programs. Programs are usually in development about uh, five years or so before you see light of day. So right now we're in 2021. I'm working on things, you know, well into late 20, you know, this decade in the 2020s. And this one took a, a couple more years than that. We introduced our... Um, our concept truck back in Detroit in 2015. Wow, has it been that long? It's been quite some time. And from that point on, we had uh, we wanted to make sure a lot of those proportions for that vehicle made the light of day. We knew that styling was so important, we didn't want to have any compromises. And so I think what you see here today really represents that. Man, congratulations, man. This is so comfortable, so nice, so high tech, uh, reasonably priced. It's, it's right there in the market where it needs to be. Uh, it seems... Like I said, it just seems like the right vehicle and the right pot. I mean, I'm sitting in this car right now. Great dash, great lines, AC vents. You can barely see where they're at. Uh, I love the fact that you can turn on your left turn signal and the instrument cluster. All of a sudden, you can see cameras coming out on the right side, too, uh, and left and right, which is one of those Hyundai things and, and Genesis and Kia things that you guys do. Uh, great like center console, great center stack. The design has been so... I guess you guys took a long time to do it, and it works great. Absolutely. It, it's, when you buy a, a vehicle, you might be attracted by the interior. Now, that's, that's what first draws you in. But as you know, once you own a vehicle, you're in a vehicle quite a bit. You're driving. You're going to be spending, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars on a, on a new vehicle. You want to make sure it looks good not only from the outside, but also the inside. That's where you're going to spend the most of your time. And having a lot of the technology and convenience features that we do have in Santa Cruz. That helps us set apart. Hey, look up the, lift up the back seat. We've got about a minute left. Lift up the back seat. There's all these cubby holes. There's just places to put stuff. It's just, I mean, everywhere I look, there's neat little places to put goodies and things because people like to live in these cars nowadays. We do. We have a lot of surprise and delight features. I mean, if you take a look in the back seat, for instance, right, you got dual USB chargers. So if you have kids, for example, that you mentioned, yeah, they can put, they can charge their iPads or whatever tablet they have and keep those going. Their vents back there to keep keep them cool. We have a sliding rear window if you want to. Have a large dog and they like sticking their head out. They can do that. If you want to run PVC, long pipes, long lumber, you can run that through the window as well. So we have a lot of great individual small features that I think that sum up to definitely greater greater than just those pieces. Where can we find out more about this trip? Head on over to HyundaiUSA.com and you can build and configure your own. Trevor Lai, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Michael. Folks, that was Trevor Lai, Senior Product Planner here for Hyundai. We're talking about the new Santa Cruz. Be sure to check it out, guys. It's be out any when will these be at the dealer, by the way? They're actually in dealers now. Well, heck yeah. All right. All right, folks, hang on. We got our classic car segment with Jeremy Berenbaum from classic.com. We're going to talk about that. We got lots more to come right here on the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network. You're listening to the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network from the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios. Here's Matt Peralt and Mike Herzig. It's Let's Talk Wheels here on the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network. Got time for one more story, Mike. Let's talk about this Toyota Prius battery life expectancy here, okay? We're talking a lot about Perfect. electrics. The hybrid car, sedan that was, you know, basically changed the way people were driving back in the day. Sure. It was like, ooh, electric car, what's that? Well, now yep. 
we've got some we have some evidence about how long this battery is going to last, right? Well, in California, California did set some rules. Of course, they're more expensive to buy in California. It's got the warranty's 150,000 miles or 10 years. Like you and I talked earlier, it's kind of like how bad is the battery in your cell phone? It's still a good battery, although it only lasts three hours now instead of eight hours. But either way, uh, when you need to replace it, for example, the original first generation Prius, the battery's only like $3,600 plus labor. And now there is a core charge you can get back if you buy a reconditioned battery. Mm. Uh, uh, you get some of the, like when you get into the Prius C, like our good friend uh, Dave Stahl has, we're talking, it's a uh, $3,800 battery, plus maybe probably about $400 with a, worth of uh, uh, labor to put it in. But then you get into the things like the Avalon or the Highlander. Highlander probably were the most favorite hybrids. We're talking a 63, almost $6,400 battery plus labor. Huh. And like I said, if you buy a reconditioned battery, you can save some money, you know, but guys, you know, we're, like you said, we're two years away from, from having batteries that will last a lot longer. Okay. Right. Um, and, you know, they sell, there's also, I remember there's thing that they came out the other day with where they were talking about it when, when they first came out with the, uh, the Nissan Leaf, they were talking about perhaps having a battery where you would go to, a, go to a, a charging station and you pull your battery out like a suitcase and you'd mm. hand it to them and they'd hand you another one and you just put it in plug it in, flip the switch and go. It's a, like a five or 10 minute deal. So that's something we need to look forward to. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. Make sure you check out the podcast, wherever you get your podcast search, Let's Talk Wheels. And Mike and I are back next week, same place, same time, right here on Let's Talk Wheels for the Let's Talk Wheels Radio Network. Folks, welcome back to Let's Talk Wheels. Mike Herzing along with Matt Peralt. Today we've got, this is kind of cool, we've got Michael Severson. He is the Ford GT Program Manager. Now, I know this weekend, today and tomorrow, is, is the last part of the, of, of the concourse of the elegance of Pebble Beach. Everybody wants to go to Pebble Beach. Well, this sucker is going, and he's got a Ford GT to show about, talk about. Uh, Mike, welcome to Let's Talk Wheels. Mike, thanks for having me, and I'm glad to talk about Ford GT with you today. I bet you are. I mean, everybody's ready to talk about Ford GT. I mean, what a great vehicle. I I haven't driven one for a lot of years, but uh, wow. I mean, uh, you guys are killing it. Yeah, the, the car is exciting, and, you know, it's it looks good. It performs good, and a lot of people love it. And, yeah, it's, it's an exciting vehicle. Uh, you know, it, it really is. Now, how did you get? such a cool job you know long story short um i was in the right place at the right time i've been with ford for 14 years Mm -hmm. and it's it's been a great ride but about three years ago um i i got a call and they asked me if i want to come on the team and i it it was an incredible moment i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it but it's it's been an incredible three years. We've done a lot of great things and it's been a lot of fun, but we're wrapping it up. So we're approaching the final model year of the program, 22 mm-hmm. model year. And um, so it's, it's sort of bittersweet. You know, we, we're going to do a proper send off to the car, right? but you know, a lot of people don't want to see it go. 
well, I know it's not going to go. It'll just come back as an electric car or something, an electric supercar. We all, you can't say that, but we all know it's going to, they won't get rid of it. I mean, it's, it's one of the coolest things Ford's ever done. You, you know, it, it, it's cool. And one of the reasons is cool because it doesn't come around very often. Right. So we had the race cars in the 60s. We had the 0506 car, which paid uh, tribute or was like a celebration of the 100 years of Ford, the Centennial. Yep. And then we brought the current generation car back to win Le Mans on the 50th anniversary of our original 66 win. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of running out of anniversaries, but, yeah. um, you know, we're having a good time with this car and, and customers love it. And uh, it, it's really exciting. It's a true halo car for Ford. It really is. Oh, there's nothing better than a Ford GT. I know. So what are you guys doing now for, for Pebble Beach? It's this weekend. I've got one of our, our we do a, I do a segment here on the podcast, uh, on the extra part of the podcast, the radio show, and then there's a podcast extra with classic.com. And Jeremy from classic.com, uh, C-L-A-S-I-Q.com, he's there at Pebble Beach this weekend. And, um, and so you guys have just, you guys have got some stuff you're showing, though, at, at the event, right? At Pebble Beach, we are debuting our new 2022 Heritage Edition. Okay. So we've had a number of Heritage Editions throughout the past. In 06, we had the Gulf Heritage Edition, right. which paid tribute to our wins at, at Le Mans in 68 and 69. And, and that has been really well received. It's the most sought-after version of the 0506 generation for GT. Right. And... Fast forward to the current gen, in 17, we, we paid tribute to the 66 win at Le Mans, and 18, 67, and then we also did 68 and 69. So 17 model year through 20 model year, we celebrate our Le Mans wins. Mm-hmm. And after we did that, we, 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 we looked in the uh, you know, record books, and we, we found that a really important pivotal time in the program was our win at Daytona in 1966 with Ken Mile and Lloyd Ruby right. winning Daytona by over 30 miles. Incredible race. And then, um, and the, but that was really a turning point in the program. So we swept Daytona that day and then we went on to sw- sweep Sebring and Le Mans. So really a magical season. So, we, we were like, well, what do we do next? And so we, we brought the team together and we looked through every livery on every 4GT. And it was, a, it was a lengthy process, but we really overwhelmingly wanted to pay tribute to our original prototypes. And this mm-hmm. is a significant part of the program because it's where it all began. It's where the legend was born. So right. in May 1963... Ford and Ferrari suspended negotiations. Ford was, it was very public that Ford was trying to buy Ferrari to get into sports car racing. Uh, we've all seen the and, movie, man. We, 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 we loved it. Everybody yeah. loved it. <laughs> so that, 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 you know, infamous day in the, in the boardroom was, right. what, you know, happened. It was May, 1963. So Ford took it upon themselves to build their own race car with the objective of winning Le Mans and beating Ferrari. So less than a year later, we had a race car complete and we debuted it at the New York Auto Show on April 1st, 1964. Mm-hmm. So this was the beginning of the 4GT. It was the first one ever. It's got this really iconic design with the white body, very, very dark blue hood with stripes on the roof and the tail. 
Right. And so that's what we're doing. We're paying tribute to that moment in time, really the birth of the GT. And it, we're really excited to be showing this car uh, at Pebble Beach. And, okay. and what kind of takes this to the next level is there was five prototypes built. The first two were crashed and scrapped during testing. The second two actually won, uh, won Daytona and was third place at Daytona in 1965. Mm-hmm. And there's one left, one, one left in its original livery, uh, which I just highlighted to you. Uh-huh. And that's going to be side by side, our new car at Pebble Beach. Wow. So, now, that is so cool. Yeah, it, it was, it was not easy to make happen, but you know, it's going to be a really cool moment. And I, I know a lot of people are going to be excited to, you know, relive this piece of our history. Well, no kidding. Now, how many of these are these going to build for the 22-year model? So it is a, a lower production version of the car. So um, the total production uh, is 1,350 cars, but we, we haven't started building yet. Um, it's going to be part of our offering to customers, uh, but we, we don't know because we haven't started building them yet. But these are typically very high-demand cars <laughs> that where demand well exceeds the the production capacity. Oh, absolutely. Folks, we're talking to Mike Severson. He is lucky enough to be the Ford GT program manager, and he is he is at Pebble Beach this weekend. And uh, Mike, uh, I tell you what, buddy, you have really got a bird nest on the ground, as my dad used to say. You are really a lucky guy. You know, I, uh, I, I it's a labor of love, Mike. It's yeah. a lot of fun, and we're, uh, you know, working really hard to to uh to put some great cars out on the road for our customers that is so cool all right folks uh mike thanks for joining the let's talk wheels today we're going to be looking for you uh this weekend and all the uh, media stuff going on with pebble beach great thanks mike and uh i hope you have a good rest of your day buddy all right folks this is michael severson right here he is a 4gt program manager and uh now hang on don't go away there's more to come including our weekly classic car segment with Jeremy Berenbaum from Classic.com. All of this and more right here on the Let's Talk Wheels radio network. Welcome, everybody, to Let's Talk Wheels Classic Car Podcast. Uh, as usual, we got a resident guru, Jeremy Berenbaum from Classic.com, and you are one lucky sucker this weekend, aren't you, bud? Yeah, man, I'm up here at Monterey at the whole Pebble Beach Car Week festivities, and I'll be going to the concourse tomorrow on Sunday, and it's an amazing week for anyone out there listening who hasn't been before, who's a car fan. Um, I highly recommend trying to trying to make it out here once. Yeah, I've been out there once, and it was one of the coolest things I've ever done besides being beautiful and gorgeous. And, and uh, I kind of felt like a germ on a Band-Aid because... Yeah, everything. Everybody was so dressed up and so nice, and all the celebrities were there, and all the Hollywood folks, and Jay Leno was there, and 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 all this kind of stuff. And it was, and it was great. Don't get me wrong; it was just I saw vehicles that were just magnificent. You know what I mean? And just it's it's just amazing that these cars are so beautiful and still in perfect condition. You will see cars you will never see in your life, and they'll be driving on the streets. They'll be driving around. 
Um, there's more of a car show in the cars that are actually here, not for the show, not for the actual right. concourse. Uh, but something that's interesting is, you know, everyone always thinks of it as a very hoity toity show and you got to have, you know, a $50 million car to be able to be entered and that sort of thing. And that's true to a degree, but there's also so many other events in Monterey for the weekend that it, you, any level of car fan, any level, you know, of pocket dollars, like you're going to find something you like, you're going to find something fun. One of my favorite things is to go to um, WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca, uh-huh. and they have the uh, Monterey Historic Races. Oh, so that would be, that would they be have the cars coolest. from the, the 19-teens up until, you know, um, the Trans Am series cars, and then even more modern cars. But it is so cool to watch those things rip around the track. And then you can go walk through the pits. You can see the cars you just saw got off the track. And, you know, the drivers are there, the crews are there. You can talk to right. them. It's such an amazing experience. And the access is unlimited. It's, it's amazing. You know, um, you know, there's these con- several of them around the country, one in Florida. They're just all over the places. But but this one is the back is the Mac Daddy. This is it. And and you're right. On Sunday, it's a little hoity toity. You wear a coat, sport coat, and this kind of stuff. And it's beautiful. And and the, the golf, these things are parked on the golf course. And like I said, all the celebrities are there. But the events start like on Thursday. You know, they started a couple of days ago. And yeah. Saturday they have this, they have they have a charity event. I mean, last year there were this year they gave a million two hundred and forty thousand four hundred and fifty dollars to Pebble Beach charities. Uh, lady, some lady won a, uh, a Lexus LC 500 convertible. It was a, basically a, a lottery kind of thing, a drawing. And, but it's just, it's just, you meet some people there that you'll never meet. You'll, people are always so friendly everybody's so I don't care who it is. I mean, you, 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 I've seen Carol Shelby there 10 years ago, you know, and this kind of stuff and sat and talked with him. Um, and that's the thing. And these people are here and they know that, 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 everyone's here for the same thing. And so when you go up to someone and you talk to them and there'll be famous people, there'll be famous racers, there'll be famous builders. You go up to them and talk to them like a normal person and, and you have a great conversation and it's, it's really cool. Because for this event, they're not the famous person. They're the car person, you know, they're the car guy or car girl, you know what I mean? And that's, the, that's, that's the, for me, that's the coolest thing about it. I mean, uh look at you know, these vehicles that are just one I of mean, the yeah one of the really fun shows that i don't know if a lot of people know about is the concourse do lemons and that is the beater jalopy cars that are <laughs> out there on on friday and that's there's some of the funnest cars you'll ever see um and nobody takes anything seriously and you'll see cars that were huge flops you know like pontiac aztec stuff like that and you're like why is this here but it, it's silly it's fun it's a good time and it's it's a good place for everyone to let loose a little. Well, you know, um, there is. It's just, it's just such a, such a group of people that love vehicles and anything with wheels and an engine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Motorcycles too. There's a lot of exotic motorcycles too. And you don't even need a ticket to the concourse to be able to see most of this stuff. On Thursday, all the course, all the cars that are participating in the concourse get extra points if they do the drive down uh, Pebble Beach, 17-mile drive. So they all line up down by uh, Cannery Row, and, and they take off from there. So you can see about 80% of the Pebble Beach field um, throughout the week. And then my favorite thing to do is on Sunday morning, the day of the event, I wake up at almost like 4.30, get there yeah. at 5 o'clock, and I watch the cars roll out down the green Um and that's really cool because you got no one in your way. You don't have to move a foot. 
and you get every car to drive right past you. And then you've seen the whole field. It's really, it's fun. You know, this is, if, if anybody's a car nut, like we obviously are. Yeah. Um, you've got to have several things like, you know, any the, like the, the Pebble Beach or one of the or, or Amelia Island or one of the things like that. One of those things you want the Woodward Dream Cruise, which is just going on. It's um, a bucket list. Uh, bucket list would be Bonneville. OK, Speed Week, you know, and that's just a totally different. But um, Carlisle. It's tough. Yep. It's tough because a lot of them are all in August right around the same like two, three week period. You have Bonneville, yes. Hot August Nights, <laughs> Pebble Beach um what else uh grand national grand national roadster show which is in uh pomona in january that's another great one a bucket list item if you're a car fan especially a hot rod fan you know minnesota has this minnesota street rod association has this back to the 50s weekend they have twelve thousand classic and restored vehicles you know gassers drag cars stock cars custom street rods you know uh, any of these things resto mods everything else there's three day thing it's in it's in saint paul uh, Minnesota State Fairgrounds, that kind of stuff. There were just so many cool events. And, and you know, I just, I think, you know, when I retire, which is, you know, not that far away, that's for sure, if I ever do retire, um, <laughs> you know, you want to, I've been to the Detroit Auto Show. I have not been to the Woodward Dream Cruise. That is probably something I will hit up pretty quick. Um, it's just, but Pebble Beach, I, I do want to go to Amelia Island. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's I've never been either. And I, and last year, I literally for, for 2020, right in the middle of COVID, I had all of the, the reservations, the whole bit to when they canceled it, I was all ready to go. And I was like, I had finally arranged to go to Amelia Island, which yeah. is Northern Florida, you know? And I was like, already, we we're going to stay with some friends that lived up there. I mean, everything was set and it all went down the toilet. <laughs> you know, oh, just, and I'm bummer. like, uh gosh i mean it's it's so many cool things i mean is there any particular vehicle you really want to see hmm that's interesting i like to see a lot of the like the pre-war american cars like the duesenbergs there's some cadillacs i really like they're just so big so much chrome so luxury um and then there's there's like the weird prototypes especially the american cars there was like a a t-bird prototype uh two three years ago that was really cool i like to see stuff like that it's not you know the common everyday cars these are one-off coach built you know, machines. And it's really cool to see the time and energy that goes into the, the actual restoration of some of these cars and keeping them preserved in the way they look when they're on the field on that show day. Well, you know, you may be, you may see something from Chuck Barris. You may be, see, you may see the old 58 Cadillac, some of the, some of the, the uh, prototype cars and some of the, you know, those kind of cars, you may see the Batmobile, but you may see also a Delahaye. You know, and you might see an Alfa Romeo from the from the forties or something and or fifties and or even the thirties that just these are the most romantic, beautiful sculptured cars, you know, are just so even even way back in you know, the the pre-war, uh some of the or even post-war, some of the cars were just, you know, so aerodynamic and so yeah. uh they were just so beautiful. But you know, the European stuff really was that works of art, you know, and, and, you know, the American car is a different story, but, but the way they break it out by classes and stuff Mm -hmm. too, you can, cause the cars are lined up close to each other. You can see different periods and it's cool to see, Oh, this car is kind of like this, but you can see what the Americans were thinking versus what the Europeans. And then right next to it, you'll have, you know, a seventies Ferrari race car. That's got race history, 
you know, right. like you couldn't believe. And it, it's just amazing to see that all put together and then sprinkled around the outside of the show is every new modern supercar and high dollar car you could imagine driving around. So from a car person's perspective, it's just an amazing thing to do. And I would give one tip of advice. If you do want to come out and do this one year, plan early, plan ahead. Hotel lodging is probably one of the hardest things. Um, so if you just want to get on it early and bite the bullet and then then you're set, that's about it. Yeah, these car- touring cars, you can go to pebblebeachconcours.net and you can find a lot of the stuff is going to be streamed. Maybe be able to see our good old buddy Jeremy there. Yeah, uh, we'll you have may- some stuff on our classic uh, well, there you go. Facebook and Instagram just from highlights through the week. But but some of the things, they have the antique, they have early electric vehicles. We're talking stuff from the 1900s, early 1900s. American Classics, Packards. Uh, they have this one. It's a really neat class. 70 years best of show winners yeah this is the 70th anniversary of the pebble beach so they're doing it big they have rolls royce pre-war mercedes-benz pre-war european classics um they have ferrari grand touring and competition vehicles that's a class have post-war racing post-war sports post-war touring uh pre-war and and post-war uh then the the pinaferina far ferraris all of the Carrera Pan Americas from 50 to 54, which beautiful vehicles, beautiful I mean, cars. And then, folks. and then you have someone like Bruce Myers, who's a big collector who pushed really hard to get hot rods in the show. And so every other year they do a hot rod section, which is really cool. I know since you, yeah, that's your, your hero. And, and you want to go buy one of his vehicles. You're looking for one. So folks, by the way, if you know anybody of the Myers Manx, get hold of Jeremy at classic.com because Jeremy will buy it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's everybody wants has stuff we want to get, but folks, I, I highly encourage it. I'm sure it'll be on television. I'm sure maybe not this weekend, but it'll be on some of the weeks and some of the car shows. It is, it is like I said, it's got to be on any car person's bucket list. Just kind of like going to going to Sturgis. You know, sure. if you're a motorcycle guy, if you're if you're a, a racer and you want to do some cool stuff, go to Daytona Bike Week. You know, right. which is I used to go every year. And uh, even when I was racing, we would always take time to go into town and do stuff, go to the Boot Hill Saloon and things like that. I've never been to the Harley event, although I hear it's it's going on basically right now. And oh, it's uh, Sturgis, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm not a Harley guy, but I don't I don't mind them. You know, I just never had a had one. But um, uh, and I've had you know thirty motor forty motorcycles, but never had a Harley. But uh, you know, there's just so many neat things out there, and there's something out there for everybody. For everyone. That's, that's hundred percent correct. So real kick, Jeremy, you got a bunch of neat cars on your site right now. I see you're doing some more uh, collections that you're, that you're selling for folks. I mean, what's some of your favorites on your site right now? Ooh, we got a convertible 1970 Pontiac GTO red with red interior. Oh, Uh, I hate you. (laughs) I hate you. It's a beautiful looking car. Um, and oh. then there's a 55 Chevy Bel Air convertible, which is the red with the sand beige uh, two-tone um, and the two-tone seats. It's a beautiful looking car. You know, those cars are, you know, the problem with that is they look so good and it's such great shape and everything. I, I'd almost be afraid to drive it. You know, it's just, you want to just put it in your living room. Yeah. You know? you know, a lot of people say that, but then I just say, it's just a car. You got to drive it. That's what uh, it's, meant it's for. just, just the most, the, you know, the coolest car around. That's all it is. It's only the, with freaking car on the planet yeah, uh we got a we got a project car right now a 62 jeep uh forward control which is kind of like the cab over trucks mm-hmm. 
it's an interesting car. It's fun. If you're looking to get your hands dirty, it's definitely a good place to start. Yeah, I see the GTO, but I'm looking on my computer here. The 85 Mazda RX-7, those were really fun. I'm really excited to see what that one does. They have such a cult following in the RX-7s, and um, it's, a, it's a pretty cool car. It's really uh, clean, too, looking at the photos. I had a friend with a 79, folks. It'll just take a second. It's really funny. We had a, and it needed a carburetor. It needs some carburetor work. So he goes out and buys uh, a Weber carburetor for it, bolts it on. And then he tows, and we put in a, a, a header exhaust manifold on it. And then he went and lightened the flywheel by like 20 pounds. It would rev so fast. It, we didn't touch the engine. So it was bone stock, the intake exhaust and flywheel, because they have to put a real heavy flywheel on these to smooth it out. Otherwise it kind of sounds like a two stroke when it's, when it's idling. And, uh, it was so fast. It would kill every Camaro, every, we had to put wider tires on it. It would kill Camaros. It would kill everything. I mean, uh, Mustang. I don't care if you get a 429 Mach 1 Mustang against it, and the and the and the uh, RX-7 will just blow it away. Oh, that's was, so fun! It was so much fun, but they rusted so bad. You know, uh, <laughs> here I, here's a '69 Chevelle convertible. Wow, that's yeah, really the white nice. one. Yeah, and uh, even the '82 Chevy C10, which those things have gone crazy. Oh, a Buick Riviera. Oh my gosh. 66. I like the 64s and fives, but this one, the 66 was nice. And I see the Bel Air. Everyone says they love the 65s, but I kind of, I got this like little soft spot for the 66. It's it's a pretty cool looking car. Guys, if you want to see a beautiful car, folks, look at this 55 Chevy Bel Air convertible, red and white, two-tone white, you know, white interior with red trim. It is Uh, the quintessential Bel Air California car. Oh my gosh. It's gorgeous. And uh, oh, even a Fiat 850 Spider, you know, 73 Duster. Oh, that's really kind of cool. We got a uh, little bit of everything I, for everyone. Uh, that is um, Buick Riata. Those were actually, it was a cult car. Those and, you know, uh, they're just, everybody had these things. They loved them. But just, there's a lot of really cool car. Uh, Pontiac Fiero was another car that was kind of a cult car. But yeah, exactly. Um, we sold a Fiero uh, about a month and a half ago. Wow, that's amazing. It had 2,700 miles. Oh, see, that's what you're going to see at, the, at, at these concourse. You'll see these vehicles. That'll be a 55 or whatever something. It'll have like 800 miles on it, and it's original. Uh, it's amazing. Jeremy, I am so jealous. Have a great time. And Thanks put some stuff up on, on, on classic.com, folks. That's CLA, will, S- CLASIQ.com. And uh, everybody, thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. If you have any car questions, Jeremy at classic dot com at c-l-a-s-i-q uh and we, or mike at let's talk wheels we'll always get somebody an answer remember you can find us on our website let's talk wheels on classic.com instagram you guys have a lot of cool facebook posts jeremy so that's kind of cool tell your friends about the podcast ask them to subscribe we really appreciate it as always on behalf of matt peralt the dog jeremy berenbaum that is at the coolest place in the world this week <laughs> our producer jack mccraw and myself i want to thank everybody for joining us today on the let's talk wheels radio podcast i'm mike herzing as always have a great week